It is Monday, February 12th, 2024. This is another edition of Football Today. That is Bobby Skinner from the Talking Giants world. I am Chris Rose. Producer Mikey is along for the ride as well as the 2023 NFL season is officially done. Congratulations to the Kansas City Chiefs, an overtime winner over the San Francisco 49ers. First of all, how was your watching experience? What was it like for you? So it was actually pretty pretty bumpy, right? Started to get into the fourth quarter. My parents' TV started messing up a little bit. Ooh. And it like glitched out for a play. My brother literally lives right across the street from them. So we packed up, ran across the street, caught the end, you know, the last couple drives in overtime over there. But uh, I was doing my best to not be like a jerk about it, but part of me wanted to scream, like, what is wrong with your TV? But I I, I was nice about it. No, you could have screamed. It's it's the one day where it's really allowable, I do believe. So you could have gotten a pass on that one. Uh, for me, I hosted the postgame show on NFL Network. So here's what happens. Uh, we watch in our green room down in the space underneath. We have to walk at the two-minute warning. We walk about 50, 60 yards, scan our badges, uh, and we're lined up with a bunch of media. You know, people from ESPN are there, people from CBS, uh, uh, whomever, ready to run on the field. We can't go until it's zeros, all right? Then they'll let you on the field. So we're watching the in-house feed, which is different than the CBS broadcast. It's it's probably about 30 seconds ahead, but it just shows it from kind of a high angle. You don't get all the great CBS camera cuts and all that sort of stuff. Well, we end up going to overtime and then an additional quarter on top of that. So we're probably watching the last 45 minutes of actual football on a screen where you can't exactly tell what's happening. You got an idea, but it's crazy, man. It is just, it's I, I I tuned into the show, the Miko Hardman, Patrick Mahomes jumping on and and yeah. giving his two cents of Miko Hardman not celebrating immediately was good. So it was a good show with you and MG, uh, MJD. Um, I have a question. Did you know in the moment that the overtime rules just changes into another quarter? Because I had a like, oh my God, what is Andy redoing moment at the end? And I was a little disappointed in myself because I pride myself in knowing all of those rules. Well, except that we had never had them before. We hadn't played them before. So so when I the Rams-Panthers went the double overtime in like 03, I think it was. Did it just keeps going. Did, okay, Did it keep going? See, I couldn't even yes. remember. I felt like I, I remember that game so much. I, I can't believe I forgot that part. Well, because I had sat through one of those in person. Browns-Jets, divisional round in January 3rd, 1987. Browns forced overtime. It went to a second session, and Browns ended up winning on a Mark Mosley field goal. So I guess that was the first time where it was the new rules of the not sudden, de- you know, getting rid yes. of the sudden death. Both. So I guess I guess that was the first double overtime with no suffered, or almost double overtime with no sudden yes. death. Although technically, I was told in my ear by one of our producers, "Do not call it double overtime because that is not what it is." There you go. So let's All get right. to our questions. Kansas City now has three titles in five years. Mahomes leads the tying drive in regulation, then the game winner for a touchdown in overtime, not double overtime. Have you ever seen a player this young play the quarterback position this well? I know this is like kind of pointing at a Tom Brady comparison, right? Because Mm -hmm. it's hard to compare to seven, so we're talking about them guys of the same age. And I, to me, honestly, I don't want to split hairs of like who is playing better because I know you'll look at Brady's box score stats and say not, but man, like his three, his leading receiver, like talk about you know Mahomes not having good receivers, 
you know, Brady was working with Troy Brown, Dion Branch, David Givens, those guys leading them in receiving, uh, although they're probably a little more reliable. But if if not, it's only to a guy who ended up winning seven Super Bowls in Tom Brady. Uh, I thought it was awesome, man. The way he's changed, the way he's played quarterback due to the way defense has changed him. And then even then, 49ers put together a good game plan, but his legs were the difference maker, right? Convert that third and one and then fourth and one, 66 rushing yards. I truly think were the difference of winning and losing for this team. He's played essentially perfect throughout the playoffs, you know, outside of one interception to Jair Brown. I compare his skill set, to be honest with you, and some of our audience isn't going to get it at all. In fact, I would guess that a fair share of it, John Elway. Now, if you pull up his stat page on pro football reference, you're going to say, hold on, Elway didn't even complete 60% of his passes. You have to understand in the 80s, guys could clutch and grab the whole way down the field defensively. So the rules were significantly different. Now there's so little risk in throwing a ball, it feels like. Like the worst thing that could happen is an incompletion because you're either going to get the yardage on a catch because they can't defend you as close as they want to, or you're going to get some sort of pass interference or defensive holding. That's what it feels like. So the completion percentage is going to be down significantly, but I'm just talking skill set here. Elway wasn't a running quarterback, but he was a quarterback that could run. And it's exactly the same with Mahomes. Like some of his most memorable plays over this five-year run are with his legs. And that's saying something for a guy that can sling it all over the field and make every throw, don't you think? Yeah, it's just because it's like it's and it's not it's not what he's looking to do. He's just like, okay, well, the 49ers, for the most part, outside of that last drive of the uh the regulation, did a damn good job defensively. Really good job. But mm-hmm. what they didn't account for to do all that stuff was him rushing. You saw them run that little zone zone read with the pass tag to it in the regulation. And then, like you said, the final drive was able to get those yards. So, like, really the only quarterbacks who I think you can compare, like, to him at this age is, you know, Tom Brady. And then I, I know this one will make people question a little bit because he never ended up winning. So, well, with Dan Marino, right? Like, guys who just were this good no matter yeah. what was happening against them um, at at this, at, you know, at this part of their career. And I thought Romo did good – one of his good lines last night was like he's hit the sweet spot where he's got all the athleticism and ability and he's just understanding the game better than anybody right and that's why i think it's hard you know and i that's where i think he's gotten so much better and i think he's i think he is so much further than anybody quarterback in the nfl at the mental part of this game which is saying a lot for you know a guy who was came out was leading the league in average depth of target even had a quote of like yeah sometimes i don't fully understand the coverages after that 2019 Super Bowl. And now it's just like, no matter what you rotate, do, he's always going to be put the ball in the right spot where he is actually playing closer to a Brady type than people would realize. Well, I think that's the biggest point here is that how often do you watch a Patrick Mahomes throw and say, what was he looking at? Like it just happens so rarely. Now he got picked off uh, Sunday by Jair Brown, but that was on an overthrow, right? He had the right read. Like, he saw Kelsey shoot open. So the idea was right. The execution wasn't. And Jair Brown made a good play on the ball. But him, it just feels like it's so rare when he misses an opportunity where you're like, not and he, and he had a ton of interceptions this year. I think he had a career high in interceptions. But I just feel like that was because he felt like at times 
he had to make so many plays. So yeah. many plays. A lot, a lot of them went off his you know wide receiver's hands as well, too. Um, you know, I, I really think Mahomes learned, and the Chiefs, right, and Andy Reid, like learned a lot from that Bengals AFC championship loss a couple years ago, where you've seen since then, right, where Mahomes was always like top 10 in average depth of target. He's He was 30th this year, mm -hmm. right, Tw 23rd the year before. And the way teams have changed, you know, their defense is mostly to stop Patrick Mahomes. He's done a better job than ad adjusting it to anybody. And, other, and the other quarterbacks have done a good job adjusting it to it. Like Josh Allen for the whole the interception stuff that people say, he's done a good job, but he does lose his patience every once in a while and forces it. And that's the difference between Mahomes. And I think when Brady, like Tom Brady has had a couple of clips go out talking about how, man, quarterbacks don't really change things and see the game the way that we did at one point Mahomes is right where I, I don't think most of the great quarterbacks in the day saw see the game the way that Peyton Big Ben those guys of that generation saw go back and watch those games and it's it's really just elite mining games from their quarterback position I think Mahomes with having Kelsey there who's always on the same page has been able to adjust to like this new stop the big play defense NFL so as great as Mahomes was there is no question that without the defensive performance of the Kansas City Chiefs, led by their defensive coordinator, Spags, they don't get a third title in five years. So in the end, was Kansas City's defense more critical to this title run than even its offense? It's such a tough question because I can make it – we just talked about how great Mahomes is, right? And Mahomes is the reason they've won three Super Bowls and – in five years, but this Chiefs defense was dominant, right? And this whole Chiefs down year thing is, is somewhat true on the offensive side, but defensively it's not. It was the best defense that he's had behind them. It wasn't just a good playoff performance. They were number two in the NFL in the regular season. And, you know, they ran into the number two, three, four, and six offenses in the NFL. Hmm. They gave up 15.8 points per game in the playoffs versus the best offenses in the NFL. That would be good enough for number one in the regular season scoring-wise. And – Spags just totally outcoached Kyle Shanahan, right? Just totally outcoached him, right? Whether it was doing a good job stopping the run with some of their blitzes, and then every key third down, he was able to create free rushers and was able to have, you know, McDuffie and Sneed locking cats up. But it wasn't solely just locking cats up because they were just better than, because they were prepared, because they were playing with inside leverage, because they saw Shanahan was keeping everything tight and trying to do end breakers, which Shanahan does so well. And Spags is like, no, I'm, I'm going to force you to want to drop back, run a normal offense the way Patrick Mahomes does. And Shanahan never really wanted to do that. Like I thought, you know, everyone will talk about Shanahan and the, you know, the overtime decision, but I thought Spags totally outcoached him in this game, right? Like that was the biggest difference maker to me was Spags was a better coach than Kyle Shanahan on Sunday. Yeah. Um, the defense was awesome, and they're so young, and we've talked about that an awful lot on this show. I don't know what happens with Chris Jones, whether or not he comes back. I, I think they desperately need him, if for no other reason than his leadership. I mean, the guy, he just – people gravitate toward him on top of him being an outstanding football player. But, dude, they can ball all over the place. They got guys at every level. I mean, they, they had guys coming up from the practice squad making big – Mike Pinnell has been in the league for 10 years and has shifted through, what is it, four or five different teams. And I think this is his second stint now in Kansas City. He had a huge game, a huge game in the Super Bowl. So that's a guy who's taken advantage of an opportunity 
and his coaches are putting him in the perfect spot and making sure that he understands every sort of situation. And uh, this D got it done. They wrote they they wrote it all the way. Yes, they um, did. And I think they've to a credit to their GMs. Um, the good teams seem to figure it out because they just have more trust in it. Because like, okay, well, we're still going to be good. Draft the best player available, right? Mm. When George Karloftis falls for some damn reason, draft George Karloftis. When Leo Chanel, for God knows what reason, is there at the third-round comp pick, even though you already have Willie Gay and Nick Bolton, draft him, right? Just draft the guys who you think can be the best players in the NFL and stop worrying about need or this guy doesn't fit the perfect physical, you know, attributes that we're looking for in this play, uh, you know, these players. And those guys showed up, showed up, right? Whether it was, you know, Nick Bolton, uh, you know, Leo Chanel, George Karloftis, Trent McDuffie going up and trading for him. Like, why is this guy falling? And just going and getting the best players available. But yeah, Chris Jones is the motor that makes this work, right? He had the unblocked, uh, mm-hmm. you know, pressure. pressure down where they had yep. Joan Jennings open on that little uh, pivot route. And then you look at the that third down blitz where McDuffie comes free, right? It's a good job of uh, of Spag is disguising it, but a lot of it was George Kittle was left in to block, and he goes and doubles Chris Jones instead of scanning for the blitz, right? So they have to double Chris Jones, who's lined up over the right tackle, and then you get that free rusher, and you know Purdy's not able to throw hot in time. All right, uh, let's move on to this. It was supposed to be the year somebody else took the AFC mantle and ran with it from Kansas City. Should the rest of that conference feel a bit disheartened? And I think that should be the biggest storyline from this, right? Because, like, what what is the big picture look at the Super Bowl besides one team just winning a championship? Is that you look at the last six Super Bowls, Rose, five of the six are the same same two quarterbacks, Mahomes and Brady, right? And he's truly passed off the baton where, man, he may not be in the Super Bowl every year, but he's going to be in the AFC Championship, and you are going to have to go through him and I, I think, like, Josh Allen's been a great playoff performer in my mind outside the Bengals game last year. But, like, he has not been there because of Mahomes, right? You know, uh, you know, um, Burrow was able to get there one year and not get it done. Lamar has won two MVPs. Well, guess who won the Super Bowl both those years? You know, uh, you know, uh, Patrick Mahomes. Justin Herbert's a top-five QB in the NFL, in my opinion. In the same division – they played them pretty tight almost every single game, and we don't even look at that as a rivalry because of the different lo- level Mahomes is on. You, Shanahan's 0-2 in the Super Bowl because of Mahomes, right? You've got two teams in the NFC who have been stacked with all pros in back-to-back years, and they lose the game in the final seconds because they didn't have the advantage that Patrick Mahomes is, where he is not just great. He's essentially shutting out other great quarterbacks and you know, or great coaches or great teams from being appreciated because of how much better Mahomes is than anybody else. That's great. You nailed it, dude. This is Jordan of the early 90s. I'm telling you, and the only reason Akeem got his two was because Jordan, for whatever reason, retired. Or else it could have been eight in a row. He prevented some great teams, including my Cavaliers, who had Mark Price and Brad Doherty. And Larry Nance there in the early 90s. Those were excellent Cavaliers teams, but they never sniffed it because they kept running into this damn guy. And I'm telling you, the players aren't going to want to admit it. But if they all go 
their respective careers, and we're talking Allen, Burrow, probably Herbert now that he's got the right coach there, but all these great quarterbacks who are going to be putting up astronomical numbers and have wonderful, wonderful stats and in some cases maybe some really good deep playoff runs. And I know the Bengals fans are going to say, hey, Hey, we beat him once. You know, we're the team. We are the team that went in there and we beat him just like Tom Brady did. We did it. I know, but you didn't get it done. So like your one opportunity that you might have beaten Michael Jordan in an Eastern Conference final or semifinal, if you didn't win at all, I'm sorry. It doesn't count. You had your opportunity and that might have been it. So, man, they you're just shacking the Orlando magic. That's it. You're Nick Anderson bricking free throws in the finals. That's what you are. You had your shot, and it didn't work out, and so somebody else is a champ. But, man, he he's a witch, dude. He is a witch. I don't know how this team just won it. There's no way. If we went back and watched one of our shows in November, I guarantee you we were like, yeah, they're going to win the West because everybody else kind of stinks. But there's no way they're going to be able to win two road games if they have to in the AFC, and then if they have to play... San Francisco, we all thought. They're not going to beat them. No way. It's crazy. It is crazy what we're witnessing. December 25th, that loss to to the Raiders, right? Yeah. Just horrible offense, right? And I think we did. That was when we came on the show. I was like, are they a Super Bowl contender? And I said, I I didn't have a lot of faith, but I said, I can't quit them because of Patrick Mahomes and they have the number two defense. But that wasn't like some big, oh, well. That, no, they they've got this locked up. It's just like, hey, I can't I can't quit them on a team, you know, an AFC full with with flawed teams. And again, they they went in the defensively. They like they didn't have a bad game defensively. And then Mahomes just basically played essentially flawless football outside of you know the one interception to Jair Brown to start the third quarter. Um, now things had to go their way a little bit too, right? Tyler Bass missing a field uh-huh. goal. You know, the 49ers flunders, you know, that we'll talk about. Um, but they went like that's that's part of essentially every Super Bowl run, too. Yeah, but it also I don't know if the pressure to beat the Chiefs is even more additional than it is to win a playoff game. Do you, do you know what I'm saying? Like sometimes you just look at that guy, he knows he's gonna get it done, he knows he's gonna will his team to victory. I don't know if that forced Tyler Bass to brick a field goal or it forced the Ravens to abandon the run. I don't know what it was. But whatever it is, it works for Kansas City, Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, and the rest of his crew, and it doesn't work for anybody else in that conference. That's the way I see it. And by the way, I guess I'm not going to bet against them next year either. When we all think the AFC is so stacked and – Look at what all these teams did in free agency in the draft, and they nailed it, and the quarterback's healthy. And Great. This time next year when we come back from New Orleans, Louisiana, we're going to be talking about the same shit again. Oh, and these these wide receivers in this class are like, this is this is like the Giants have the sixth pick, and receiver may be best player available. Part of me just doesn't want to do it, because I'm like, I think there's wide receiver one talent that's going to fall to the second round. Oh, yeah. So, Xavier Worthy, get ready to be on the Mm. the Kansas City Chiefs, because – Best player available is about to meet need probably for them. All right, let's move on to the Niners. They blow yet another double-digit lead in a monstrous playoff game and for the second time in a Super Bowl under Kyle Shanahan. Where did it all go wrong? 
can we start at the top? What do you think about the decision to to take the ball? Because I've seen everyone okay. talk about this, and I actually I strongly disagree with the public on it. So I think the easy thing to say is because we were discussing it in the back, right in the tunnel. And I said, and I turned to my producer Sean Kovalakis, and I said, "Cope, do you do you kick off if you're San Francisco? Because then at least you know what you need against Patrick Mahomes, all right? Because if you kick a field goal." And he knows he's going to need a touchdown. I think it's over. And then we looked at each other. I said, that defense must be exhausted physically and emotionally, where they just gave up a full field drive in the last two minutes, which we know can be just so tiring for defense. And now you're going to turn around and put him right back out there? Like, isn't Mahomes just going to go score a touchdown anyway? So I didn't, I didn't have as much of a problem as I think some people did. I actually just like you, to me, you take the ball 10 times out of 10. One, the main reason for me is, well, if you kick a field goal like the 49ers do, right. and you get one of those third down stops, which the 49ers did all game, right? We're mm -hmm. not talking about the chiefs bills from two years ago, right? Maybe then it's a decision because the offenses are just unstoppable for, you know, 10 minutes straight. Well, then you get sudden death. Right, the next the next possession you get, it's sudden death, and you get your the first shot at sudden death if you both end up kicking a field goal. And then the argument is like, well, if you score a touchdown, the Chiefs are going to go for two. They debated, you know, they decided before the game, like, hey, if this happens, we will go for two. Okay, sick. That's all. That's as much as that's like, hey, the Chiefs are going for it. The 49ers defense gets to be like, hey, we got, we we we've got one play to to win the Super Bowl, make one stop. By the way, their defense all game long. Their only touchdown in regulation came off of the muff punt, right? right? Like held, held them to field goals all game long. So to me, the decision shouldn't have to go further than just like, hey, if you both kick a field goal, which happened a lot in this game, you get first chance out of a sudden death with the ball. Um, like this, this isn't college overtime rules, and that's why I I I disagreed with it, but. I will think I do think Shanahan kind of shit the bed on this game, but it just that's to me that's not why. So why? I think they had one carry on the first three drives of the second half. Now I kind of hate when, sometimes when mm -hmm. people go back and look at that and you're like, well, they threw it on first down, then they had a penalty and they got behind. Or the Chiefs, hey, the Chiefs are doing a good job stopping the run. Well, guess what? You have Christian McCaffrey, you have Kyle Juszczyk. Kyle Shanahan, you're supposed to be the run game innovator, right? You are the one who's supposed to be able to figure out how to beat. These, these these fronts against the run game, right? Like, stay committed to that shit. And then guess what? Their last three drives, they had three scoring drives, 13 points. They ran the ball. They, they handed the ball off 14 times on, on, on those drives. And I just thought the Chiefs basically were like, hey, guess what you're not going to do? You're not going to run in-breaking routes, right? You're not, you're not going to have long developing plays because we're going to blitz the piss out of you. You're not going to run in breaking routes, and Shanahan just continued to just call. Nope, we're going to we're these in breakers are going to get open, and they just were not there unless it was Jawan Jennings, uh, you know, against on on lesser matchups. When it was just like, man, the whole sideline is there. If you, yet you have you have everything tight. You're making it easy for the Chiefs to just hey just close in on everything because we're going to blitz and we know where they want to go. The whole sideline was there to go out there and make big plays. And they never even really tried to do it. I'm going to tell you something interesting. So I spoke with one of my colleagues at the network who played in the NFL and did a really good job. I'm not going to say his name. 
because he didn't say it on air. He said that the 49ers skill players are overrated and they should all thank Kyle Shanahan for every bit of money they get in this league. And I went, are you kidding me? Seriously? He's like, listen, dude, I'm telling you, go look at the receivers. How often do they win one-on-one? They have to get schemed open. So as much as we talk about Brock Purdy and whether or not he's the guy that can get it done, go tell me if those guys get it done with just that when you need to win on the outside against really good cornerbacks, can you win? Can you do it on a consistent basis? He was saying not nearly as much as you should. Kyle Shanahan's the guy that's getting them open because of the way he calls plays. Here's the thing, though, is I've seen those guys. Hey, maybe sure, call them overrated, whatever. But I've seen those guys go out and win on the outside, right? It may not be the cleanest, most crisp routes in the world from Ayuk and Debo, but they do know how to do it. And especially when you give them all that space to do it. And I, I just felt like, man, if even if you go, you know, two for five on throwing balls, like you know, fifteen to twenty-five yards outside the numbers, that's still, you know, that's still efficient. Right. Like that's what, you know, big plays is about. It's not perfect efficiency, but creating those, those explosives. And yeah, you know, it's really hard for Debo to get open on a dig route when you got, you know, the blitz getting there and the corner is just playing inside leverage and not letting you get, get to that. Right. So that's where I thought Shanahan just never adjusted and they, and the protection, like it wasn't just guys getting beat. Like they were not able to, they were not ready for the blitzes that the Chiefs were sending, right? right? And I think that falls a little on the quarterback and Shanahan. Um, Do you think Kyle Shanahan is turning into Philadelphia Andy Reid? In what sense? I mean, Andy Reid made four straight NFC title games, right? And then, then eventually a Super Bowl and couldn't do it. Great mastermind play caller, right? Came from Green Bay where he worked with MVP quarterback, kind of a little bit like Kyle Shanahan's route, right? He turns Matt Ryan into an MVP. It's just, I don't know, kind of similar. And then Andy ends up having, what was it, a 14-year run or whatever, 13 or 14 in Philly and just couldn't do it? Well, I I don't want to come down too hard on Shanahan, right? Like a punt hits the heel of a guy. Oh, that was rough. Right, that then we're talking about Kyle Shanahan wins his Super Bowl, right? Steve Wilkes, who called the game of his life for some reason, it drives me nuts when coordinators do this. Just went okay, two minutes. Let's just go soft when they need three points, right? Like what? What the hell? What the hell, Steve Wilkes? Like I'd be so pissed off. Like you call, like, and I don't think Steve Wilkes has been a good coordinator for them to go and and do that on the final drive. That would piss me off to no end. Um, you know. I, but I do think Shanahan should shit the bed on this a little bit, right? And that's but you mentioned like some of the stuff with Shanahan. He has a great point and throw type offense, right? You if you trust him, he's gonna be right most of the times. But Shanahan's got to get to a point where he can just trust his quarterback to go up there and do the job for him. And I referenced that Brady clip the other uh, you know, earlier where he's like, Man, these quarterbacks go up to the line. And hey, we got this look. This play is not good against it, and they just still run it. Right. Where in the Shanahan's really never given guys or had the trust in guys to do that. And I I saw so much of that last night. Was like, man, 
you have to be looking at what they're doing. You're tight like this. They're playing inside leverage. You've got you've got to get out of some of these mm-hmm. calls. Yeah, I will say this. I thought Brock Purdy played pretty well for a big stage. Yeah, and you know people say, well, he's just you know, hey, he's not good enough. Well, he wasn't good enough to beat the best guy walking this planet at what he does. I think. Yeah, I don't think anyone should come away from this shitting on Purdy. No way. Like, like, no I, way. I just, I, I thought, like you said, I thought he did his job, and I don't know if one. He's like this. What he's like the one of the three youngest guy quarterbacks in the Super Bowl anyway. So yes. I wouldn't want all that on his plate to start with. Um, but also like Shanahan's never really given his quarterbacks that freedom anyways. Uh, if I'm the Niners, I you know I'm taking a guy who's going to be making a million dollars a year right now as my quarterback at least for the next two seasons, and I'm going to continue to build around him and work on anything on that offensive line not named Trent Williams and. Defensively, they're going to have to replace some guys on the defensive front. I think that's the way their offseason looks. Tough go, man. For my Niners friends that are fans, Woo. tough. Hang in there. Hang with them. All right, before we get out of here, what was a better moment? Uh, Andy Reid and Chris Jones having a fun tickle bunny game down there on the uh, on the field, which I just thought was hilarious. There's Chris Jones celebrating. There's, yeah, go get him. That was adorable. Or post-game trophy presentation where Travis Kelsey let us know exactly which town he was in. How about a little Viva Las Vegas? Viva Las Vegas? Viva! Viva! Which one did you enjoy more? The Viva got a chuckle out of me where I was just like, okay, that's, you know, that's, that's just, I can't, I can't even try and replicate the way he was able to spit out those Vivas. Like that was, that was genuinely funny. And I I think that's what he was going for was, was funny in that moment. So the Viva, the Viva's got me pretty good. You should have heard it in the stadium it was insane thank god they didn't pull the mic away from his face because i was just sitting there like keep it keep it in his face keeping his face we got to get this through through the stereo yeah no no no. it's it was great it was one of a kind Woo! he is uh he's nuts in a good way but he's he's nuts all right so that'll do it for the football season it will not do it for this show we are going to be around throughout the off season as well getting you ready next for the combine and then the start of the league year with free agency, and then the draft after that, and there's always player movement and all sorts of stuff to continue to talk about. So you want to you want to keep doing this, right? Oh, I, I my pitch to an every end of season show is, I feel like the off season is where shows can set themselves apart, and I and that's that's my goal with football today. It's it's hard to set yourself apart in the season because there's only so many things everyone can say about the True. same games. But putting in the work in the offseason is, is where I I pride myself. So we I'm are ready. all about putting in the work. Yeah. This is this is this is, you know, this is one of those podcast shows where, hey man, you know what? We are pretty talented too. But we're, you know, they they win because they put in the work. <laughs> well done. Thanks everybody for joining us throughout the season. We will start our offseason shows later on this week for producer Mikey. Thanks for cranking it out. Always appreciate it. And Bobby Skinner from the Talking Giants world. I am Chris Rose. We will see you later this week on Football Today.